1: And welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host,
0: Daryl, Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Well, we got we got all kinds of things. We're we're about almost a week away from the Relationship Marketing Grand Summit in Salt Lake, and wow, that it's, will it's, be an event.
1: It's going to be incredible. In fact, by the time this this comes out, the Relational Marketing Grand Summit will be in our rearview mirror. And a huge thanks to our friends at Send Out Cards for putting that summit on. I know. Uh, I just know uh, that the, the things that we take away from there are going to, to really be useful, revolutionary, and, and all about selling from the heart. And Larry, I can't wait uh, to hear what you have to say, and, and hopefully we'll be able to bring some of those ideas to our broader audience as well. And by the way, if you're new to the Selling from the Heart podcast, welcome. You've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic delivering real value, developing genuine relationships. We call it selling from the heart. And Larry, we've got a guest this week. Uh, I don't know if anyone epitomizes passion <laughs> and selling from the heart more than this guest. Uh, I just got to tell you, as you get ready to introduce our friend here, that not only are you going to be entertained, but you are going to be challenged
0: to the core. So Larry, introduce our guests and let's dive in. Wow. Um, I'll, I'll put one word behind Victor Antonio and that's just, yeah. I, Cause I've seen him in action is just pure machismo. Um, <laughs> dude, the guy's on fire. Right? I don't know. I don't know what it is about this guy. So let me, so let me back up. Right? So, I met Victor at, at the second outbound and I, he just shook my hand and we talked for a little bit and, and that was it because I already known who he was. And then I met him a few months ago at the, at the third outbound, and I really got to know Victor. He's just a really cool guy. And, you know, we spent some time just one-on-one getting to know each other, but actually seeing Victor on stage, dude, I, I'm telling you, I could, I could watch this guy for hours on stage. So um, without further ado, I got to bring Victor onto this. So Victor Antonio, welcome to Selling from the Heart.
2: All right. Glad to be here. I don't know if machismo is a good word for me, but I'm just going to go ahead and accept that. I, I also want to add that I was not invited to the Relation Marketing Summit, uh, my send-out card, so I feel real bad about that. But uh, other than that, I'm glad to be on this podcast, Selling from the Heart. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs>
1: You know, to hang out with Larry, you never know what's going to happen, but you know, I never know this. what's going to come out of my mouth
0: either. So
2: <laughs> hey, by the way, I, I got to point out, see Larry, Larry, just forgot to mention something, you know, because it, you know, and I was truly from the heart because Larry gets there and Larry doesn't have his act together. And, you know, <laughs> oh, you know, where I'm going now, right? Larry, you know where I'm going. So I get there and Larry's got this little pop-up stand and he's going to put up with this beautiful face on him. I remember what happened. It was broken. It was because I, cause I checked it in on the airplane and it got trashed. So, I, him and I are there trying to jerry rig this thing with a bunch of tape for, I don't know, what, 15, 20 minutes or something before we finally gave up? So, I'm like, great. I said, wait, way to set this relationship off. You know, here I am just duct taping stuff with you, man. So, but anyway, it was great. Outbound was great, by the way. If you didn't go to Outbound, you missed out on a great three day event. Oh, my gosh. You have to sign up as
1: soon as the tickets come for sale next uh, for this next year. But, Hey Victor, as we get get started, you know the question that that all of the guests on selling from the heart get, and and that's simply this: What does it mean to you when you hear the words "selling from the heart"?
2: The I have a more. It's funny because I have an, a rational um, association with an emotional thing, and that is for me. I've always believed in value for value. That's my Ayn Rand principle. You know, a value exchange. And I think when you're selling value for value, I think to me that's selling from the heart because I am giving you something that's going to help your business grow. In that's exchange, right. become a because I'm a salesperson, I like money. See how I say that? I like yeah, money. Yeah. I'm a capitalist. Mm-hmm. I'm a Milton Friedman, Ayn Rand capitalist. I like money. And so, an but
1: activist on the podcast, Larry, yeah, right? that's it.
2: <laughs> and so, and a, and the thing is, this value for value exchange is what I believe is selling from the heart because I really want to help your company grow. Yeah, that's why I sell what I sell. And if I don't believe in what I'm selling, I'm just not going to sell it to you. But if I believe in what I'm selling, and I know it's going to help your company grow, that's that's the visual I always have in my head is that I sell you a product, let's say some type of SaaS product, right, some software product, you have 100 people that work for your company, Larry. And then all of a sudden, Larry, because I sold you a piece of software that made you more competitive in the market, that means there's 100 people whose jobs are safe. And by the way, if we say there's two and a half, two and a half family members per person, so in other words, you get a couple and two kids, that's four people. Now I'm looking at 400 people that I just helped, you know, by selling you something. In return, I work for a company. I have 100 employees because I sold you a product. I can feed these 100 people behind me plus their families as well. And I think that is the ultimate value for value. So when I think about selling from the heart, the first thing that came to mind is like, you know, don't screw people. Be good. Be nice. Sell ethically. That to me is selling from the heart.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I I remember it, and I think you have to internalize this. And and here's where I'm going with this is I think there's there's so many people out there in the sales world that will just say things that kind of just, for lack of a better word, just rolls off the top of their mouth, mm-hmm. and and they just say things, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, we're here to provide value, are they or their values, their product, yeah. something like that. But what was interesting, I was about. I was a quarter of the way into writing my book and somebody uh, reached out and connected to me on LinkedIn. Long story short, he started asking me things around, you know, the research I put in the book and so forth. And Mm -hmm. I said, Hey, there, you know, I didn't put any research. It's just, I got a PhD and getting the snot kicked out of me copiers in downtown LA my whole life. I mean, that's what I'm bringing there. And he goes, all I want you to think about is don't deceive the readers. And Mm -hmm. Well, I started peeling that back and he goes, all too often, there's deception behind what people say, right? A lot of times in sales and he goes, just don't deceive the reader. Don't, don't say you're writing a book about selling from the heart and how to be your authentic self, just to capitalize on it. You know, do you mm-hmm. truly walk it, talk it, live it and breathe it? Sure. sure. And that's, you know, and that's where I'm going with this is, you know, is, if you're going to do something and do it in the best interest of the client, make sure that mm-hmm. you really believe it and you internalize it. And I think all too often, we say things just because.
2: Yeah, I think the, uh, I, 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 I always ask people the question, should you love what you sell? So, Daryl, should you love what you sell? I think you should love the
1: people you sell to.
2: Right. And there's the answer, right? It is, is, Yeah. Cause I always tell people, it doesn't matter if you love the product or service you sell. It doesn't matter if you love it. That's very narcissistic. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. I said, what you should worry, what you should love is what it does for other people. And I think that is how I look at it. I said, I love what this does for you. I can sell, I don't know, a cheap microphone. Right. But if it's an effective microphone it can help you do a podcast. I love what it does for you. I don't really like microphones. You know what right. I mean? I'm, I'm not, I'm not into inanimate objects. Right. But I do love the fact that it does these things for you. And therefore that's what people have to keep in mind.
1: I, I absolutely love your answer, Victor, because I think when we think about selling from the heart, I mean, authenticity, sincerity, all those things are critically important, but, but sincerity has to be paired with substance, and I've got to bring true value. Um, and I think that one of the things that, when you look at at the sales professional today, yes, you know, buyers can sniff out insincerity and inauthenticity, but they can also uh, sniff out the empty suit that doesn't have any value to bring to the table. And and I think you know, as selling from the heart, professionals as sales sales reps who truly want to succeed, we've got to be. Spending the time in the mental gym, if you will, mm-hmm. learning, growing, finding ways. So when we walk in, walk into the office, we sit down in front of somebody, we can add value in, in ways that other people can't. And that, you know, that is what I love, this beautiful thing of looking in front of you at the jobs that are being created and saved. True. at your client's company and looking behind you at all the people that work for your organization because mm-hmm. you truly are the glue. You're the you know, you're the connection um, that's that's making that happen and um, I love it.
2: I love it. Yeah, I think when I when I when I think about it, as you were talking I'm thinking, you know, so so why is sincerity, authenticity, trust and all that stuff, you know, you know, we have to be that way, that's important and the question comes why? If we can just peel that back a little bit, why is it important? And I think if we, we, we you know, I, I think in the future, we'll look back and we'll see the sociological shift caused by the internet. And so we're all familiar with the numbers about, you know, buyers are 57% into the buying cycle. Forrester has them at, you know, that's CEB. Forrester has them at 80% into the buying cycle. People argue about whether that's true or not. Right. And I'm like hey, You're missing the point. <laughs> you're missing the point. And here's the big point with that. The thing is, the buyer is further into the buying cycle. Now, you want to say 50, I say 60. Yeah, we can sit here all day, do that, yeah. right? But so what? What does that mean? And here's what's interesting. If you really break it down, think about this. This is fascinating. Because they're further into the buying cycle, they've done their research. So they have certain information in their head already. They're, as, as my friend Tim Reister says, their preferences have begun to form in terms of what they're looking for, what they want, right? But you would think that most people would think, salespeople take that as like, oh, they don't need me anymore. No, it's, it's quite the opposite. I think for the first time in a long time, uh, in a very long time, the, the salesperson is more important than ever. And so, and I'm going to tie it back to selling from the heart. It's more important than ever because clients now have so much, so many options that they're confused. They, they, we've leached the, look, well, in the world of Six Sigma, we've reached the, the nine nines, right? The six nines, nine, nine point nine. Everything's equal, right? All product is equal. Product parity is a reality. You invent a little whistle. I swear to you, I'll invent one within two weeks. Product to market, speed to market is gone. No advantages anymore. Differentiation is almost like a myth. It's like a unicorn, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really exist. We have differences, but you know, this whole thing about, you know, I, I can create a differentiation factor. No, I don't think so anymore. So then why do people buy? since everything looks the same, what do I buy then? And that is where the salesperson steps into that void now. He says, let me help you. And I think this is where yeah. the guys from CEB had it right. What he talked about what people buy into today and what drives customer loyalty is the buying experience. Mm-hmm. Help me make a buying decision, clarify things for me, help me navigate the, 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 the minefield. And in order to be able to listen to you, as our friend Anthony Arena always reminds us, you got to be a trusted advisor. The word trusted being first, advisor being second, right? And that's where it kicks in. Yeah, That's how I tie it together. That's how I say the internet has created this, this, this great, this, this cornucopia of options. But now I'm so confused. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to buy. And that's where the salesperson steps in and says, look, trust me. But what does that mean? You got to gain that trust. And yeah. I think that's the game we're playing today. The salesperson, if I could put a finer point on, is the differentiator today in today's market. Always has been. And
0: it's, a, and it's almost because I think I, I even saw something today about it, if I'm not mistaken. They said, Help me understand all this information that's out there that I'm reading and I'm gathering. Help me make sense of it because, yeah, there is a lot of it. But here's what I found what's true, what's not true. Help me understand how this applies to help me do better business.
2: I mean, look at the media today, you know, look at, look at, look at what the media has created today. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, you know, both sides slant information their way. Mm-hmm. And we as consumers of this are looking for some objective, you know, analysis here. And I think that's what's happening also in the market. People are looking for an objective analysis of what's going on. Yeah. And if, if you can deliver that as a salesperson, know your product, I mean, and really connect with the customer at a heart level to say, look, I understand what you're trying to do. I, I see where you're trying to go. I said, and then just present whatever solution you have in a way they go. I get it because your product is no different than somebody else's, right? right? You have sales training. I have sales training. Somebody else has sales training. You know what I mean? I still believe it's the person that can frame the conversation the best and gain that trust is the person that's going to win the deal. Yeah. So what a great topic. Like So
1: in the context of all of that, let's think through this together in terms of walking into a situation in today's, in today's world where the buyer is educated, uh, which we know means confused, overwhelmed, uh, you know, uh, and, and all of that, how, how do we frame, how can we frame a conversation walking into that scenario in a way that's, that's going to build trust and uh, help that person move towards a favorable outcome.
2: So in, in many of my podcasts and my and my courses, I talk about the, the 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 value trinity. And so let's take a B2B Go example ahead. to explain this. Yeah. And I talk about the value trinity is business people only care about three things. As I'm talking about C-level execs. Right. Increase revenue, reduce costs, expand market share. Yep. And I mentioned this at Outbound, right? That to me is the value trinity. Increase revenue, reduce costs, expand mm-hmm. market share. Before I walk into that office, I know that this C-level exec or this director or high-level manager is in that situation. Because I've been a manager, you've been a manager, you know exactly what they're going through. Yeah. You know exactly what they're going through. And you know exactly that there's a priority list of things they need to get done. And there's only so much money to do it and only so much time to do it. The question really becomes is how fast can you get to that conversation? That to me is, is, is the essence of a great salesperson. How fast can we cut to the chase and get yeah. to that conversation? Because that's the conversation that matters. Yes. You know, this whole thing about walking in the office and talking about your puppy and your, <laughs> your boating vacation of last week. I mean, that's great. But let's spend about a minute and then just move on real quickly. Yeah. And so when I'm talking to somebody, I just try to be them. And many years ago, I learned when I was speaking that, you know, we all heard, you know, imagine your audience naked, right? That, right. that always disturbed me, so I never wanted to do that. You know, so that's, that's that's one thing I'm not doing. But one one of the things, and my one of my bosses gave me this, and this is kind of a crude crude analogy. But you know, he says, "Look, Victor, everybody has to take a crap the same way." Mm-hmm. And I and I, he goes, he said, "Just visualize a CEO on the throne." <laughs> he, says, that, he said that that will remove that will remove any pretense he, he may have about himself or you have about him, right? And for some reason. That, that, that works for me. I can't explain it. It does work. It's like, eh, you know, cause I think because it's a very vulnerable position and we all have to do it. Right. And I know, and I apologize to whoever's listening to this, you know, but you get the, you get my point here. And so when I realized that, that basically, by the way, the, the, the cinnamon into that, the synonym to that is basically he's human. Yeah. Yes. Right. He right. has the same thing. All yep. he has, all he has, or she has is a title. Right. Strip that title and he just become an ordinary person. You know what I mean? Pressure. Right. Yeah. And and so if you can tell yourself that from the very beginning, that this person has problems and they're all similar, you know, to what we have. Now, there's a salesperson going, okay, Victor, I'm not a CEO, I'm not an exec, I'm a salesperson. I don't have the same problems. Yes, you do. You have the exact same problems he does. That guy goes home, and I'm telling you right now, or she goes home and she has to explain to her spouse what they've done they got to pay some bills. They got to pay some bills, right? They got kids that are going to college. So do you, right? That's they right. probably got a mortgage. If they don't, they got investments. They got to worry about those investments.
1: We all worry about the same thing. Hey, I'm taking it a step further. I mean, look at the value Trinity, right? The revenue decreased costs market share. What does the sales rep wake up in the middle of the night thinking about how am I going to grow my sales revenue? Yeah. How am I going to increase my gross profit, which is costs and how right. am I gonna get competitive advantage. Yeah. You know, so Ironic, I mean, I tell sales reps this all the time. You're uniquely qualified, gifted, and blessed to talk to the C suite. So S- sales
2: sales salespeople, and th- this will be a paradigm should should view themselves as a profit center. Yes. And I mean, they're like the the you know the irreducible primary of a profit center. In yeah. other words, you know, if you were to break it down to the atom, they are the atom, right? They are the profit center. And yeah. so they they're a cost to the company, right? Uh, I think the average is about, what is it, $150,000 with overhead burden and all that good stuff. That's okay. what they cost a the company. So you cost a company, come somebody, and they expect you to deliver three to four X that multiple. Yep. Easy. Easy as a minimum, right? And so you are a profit center. You are a business person, but they don't right. see themselves that way. And so I think if they can go in there with that mindset, you know, I think that's when it begins to shift. But, but I go back to, you know, our pre-conversation before we jumped on the podcast is that I think there's three levels of people that can have these conversations. And the reason some can't is because they're just not there yet. They haven't accepted that. So uh, the first level we talked about was that's the person that just does what everybody else is doing. Just trying to learn, just trying to adapt and try to figure out who he or she is. Mm -hmm. And because they're in that mode, they're really just absorbing. They're not learning. They're just, it's almost like they're slapping patches on their body of different things they need to do. Almost going in there with a score, a cheat sheet, and they don't know how to have the conversations yet. They don't know how to have the conversations. So they'll always be there. The next level we move in, and these are the people who start feeling confident because they have a few, you know, successes under their belts. And then now they can have that conversation. I think those people don't have a hard time with those conversations or getting them going. But the ones that I think really hit is that third level, you know, that, 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 that transformation type of person that can actually see how to sell, but also understand at the same time, what the other person's going through. If you think about it, if you, I don't know if you play an instrument, Larry, Darrell, you play piano or something. No, no, I I wish I could, but no. (laughs) For those those musicians listening, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're playing a piano, when you first start playing a piano, it's like both hands are doing the same thing, right? Right. And then your brain splits. Yep. And then your left hand does one thing, you know, and then the right hand does the other. Right. And I think the high level salespeople who are very comfortable with selling and comfortable with themselves can actually do that. They can actually have a conversation, you know what I mean, with the person. But mm-hmm. then there's another part of their brain that is in, in surveillance monitoring mode and yeah. adjusting as it goes along. And they have confidence in that surveillance system. And a surveillance system is the one that says, mention this, bring that up. You know what I mean? And that's, it takes a while to get there, but I think you can do it if you just
1: practice it enough. I think that's a great analogy, and you know, I as a sales, I just reflect back on my career. I mean, I did start as an imitator, right? You were taught to memorize things, and sure. you ran with that, and then then I slowly started integrating in things that I saw. But there is that moment when you can get into a conversation, and you're present, but you're also watching, and that's uh, it. That's yeah. the you know, I, I don't know if if there's uh, you know some psychological no. term to that,
2: but you know. No. There, right? It's like you're in right. the zone. Uh, and by the way, you, you bring up a good point. before I forget, there's a guy there's a guy by the name of Mark Sandborn who wrote a book called The Fred Factor. And I read his book called The Potential Principle, I think it was. And he had this phrase in there. I love this phrase. He says, "Because you triggered me, Daryl. You said he says, imitate to learn, mm-hmm. innovate to earn." Interesting. And I, and I go, I go, oh, I say, I say, wait a minute. So imitate to learn, <laughs> innovate to earn. And what he's saying is that, okay, imitate other people so you can learn what to do. Right. Eventually you have to innovate, come up with your own thing, do it your own way. So you can earn more. And I was like, that's, that's a deep line, man. That's a really deep line. I love that line. It really applies to a lot of things. So if today you're listening to this and you feel like a copycat because you're copying other people's stuff, that's part of the process. You're imitating to learn. But I'm telling you, much like the, again, the whole thing about, you know, absorb what is useful, discard what is not, then add what is uniquely yours. That's when you innovate to earn. And that's when you sell your way. And those people who can sell their way because they innovate to earn are the ones that can have the comfort of conversations with CEOs or anybody, the production line manager, all the way to the CEO up top. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that's good. Well, let me throw this on the table to all of us.
1: So, so let's just hypothetically say we're we're that that sales professional. It, it's listening and going. You know what? You're right. My buyers. I know they're. You know. I know they've been scouring Google and they're confused and all of that. I'm walking into that conversation True. with with a buyer, um, and I'm I'm stepping into that this environment almost every day. Every almost every mm-hmm. moment. How do I frame a conversation to uh, to to put myself in the middle of I, how, do, how do I begin that conversation that, that's going to set this up for, for things to go well? And, and I think sometimes, and the reason I say this is I think sometimes as salespeople, we walk into that um, environment where a buyer's done a lot of research and mm-hmm. we're defensive. Like we're almost taught to go, you've got to dismantle everything they've learned, you know. No. And, and, and that defensive, like um, right. going in with a wrecking ball type mentality, I don't think it works well.
2: So, no, I, I, I think I've learned. I, the thing is I stopped years ago. Uh, you know, if you have listened to my podcast, uh, you know, it's, it's sales influence, finding the why and how people buy. Yeah. And so, so I started looking at finding the why as I started re- researching a lot of a decision-making theory. How do people make decisions? Right. Cause that's really what sales is. I am asking you to change. Right. When I, when I sell you this product, I'm asking you to change. When I'm asking you to buy the selling from the heart program, Right. I am saying change something that you're yes. currently doing, whatever system you have, change it for mine. And mm-hmm. so then I looked, I go, well, why do people not want to change? And, and so I love looking at it from that perspective, because if I understand why you don't want to change, I can sell to you more effectively. For example, and I give this story, uh, uh, you know, that the true story, by the way. So downstairs in my office, I had, a, I got a, a bathroom right next to me. And so I heard this, right? And I go, what the hell? <laughs> and finally I go over there and I investigate. And sure enough, you know, I, I look under the sink and it's got the small drip, right? That's like, damn. Okay. So if you're a real man, what do you do? Well, I tell people, what would you do? What would you do? Well, I, I know, know, know what I would
0: do. Yeah. <laughs> There's well, a I, I'd, call, I'd call somebody. I'd call my buddy and have him come fix it for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: That would be a solution. Me. I take a real man solution. I go to the kitchen and get a bowl. Right, so I put the so I, so I put the bowl, so I put the bowl under the thing, right? And right. Then I'm like, and I'm like, look, wife, done, Almost right? Solved, Solution right. solved, right? So after let's say a week or two, this part, I make it because I don't remember. It's like I'm emptying this bowl more often. So what do you do now? Bigger bowl, yeah, right? you got yeah. it, right? Bigger bowl, so I get a bigger bowl. But eventually, it gets to a point where you can't even stick a bucket in under it. I said, and so what happened is mentally, I say to myself, all right, Okay, this is the weekend, I'm going to fix it. You ever do that to yourself? This is the weekend, I'm going to do this, right? That's right? And so sure enough, you know, it's, it's Saturday, I'm going to go to Lowe's, I'm going to get what I need, i come <laughs> back, I'm going to do this thing, right? So Friday night, I remind myself, I'm going to do this, this is going to get done, this is what's going to go down, right? And so sure enough, I go to Lowe's, I pick up my stuff, come back home, have a cup of coffee, do a couple of jumping jacks, getting all mentally psyched up to go in, right? And I'm telling you, I'm ready, I'm all equipped. I go in. You ever see those uh what do you call that? It's like bull riding, but not bull rides, those the horses where they where they're catching the cows, calves, and they're tying their legs and you got to time them in a rodeo, right? Think of that. I go in there and man, it was like twist, 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 PVC, this, PVC, blah blah, slap, 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 five, seven, maybe ten minutes at most. Man, I'm done. I hold my hands up like time me. It is done, right? No leak. I'm looking at this like 10 minutes at most. I'm like, I'm done, right? I'm done. And I'm like, so I'm like, done. And I look at it and a and, and, and thought goes through my head. What's the first question I asked myself? What do you think is the first question I asked myself after that moment? After my moment of elation, pure euphoria, it's done. And by the way, it was fixed. I celebrated mentally, high-fiving myself. What's the first question I had for myself?
0: What happens if it leaks as soon as I close the thing up?
2: No, that would be, no, it was done. Push yourself harder. What questions do you think I have? One more. Come on, Daryl, give me something. Oh what God. question would you have? Here, I'll give it to you. Could I? I, I asked myself. Like,
0: Could I do it faster? But
2: yeah, I, I, I said, "Why didn't I do this sooner?"
0: Oh well, of course, right? Well, yes. see, we'll see, Victor. I, I mean, I applaud you because I wouldn't even have got that far because <laughs> I would have had somebody else doing it. Wouldn't yeah.
2: Well, 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 Larry, I, I, that's, this is why I got a great story because see, you would <laughs> pay for. It. There's no story there. I didn't. I, there's a story here, and <laughs> yeah. so what happened? I asked myself, "Why didn't I do it?" Right. I'll tie this back to what you were asking. And my question to you is, and the listeners is, why didn't I do it earlier? Why did I go through this whole bowl sequence? Why did I push it off? And the answer is simple. Mm-hmm. See, in my mind, I went into my head and I had in the past played with plumbing before. Remember back in the day when we had uh, copper piping and you had yes. a solder of the damn thing? Yes. And in my mind, I had these memories of how plumbing never went right for me. And so now I'm in this situation. I'm like, oh, and my immediate reaction is no. It's bad experiences. What's also fascinating, psychological studies have shown this, that over time you amplify the negative even more than it actually was. Mm-hmm. And so now when I, ha- when I saw the thing go, the drip, immediately this flood of recall comes into my head and is thinking, don't do it, man. Whatever you do, do not attempt to do this, right? Push it off. Not now. And so now think about that from a selling standpoint, you're asking a customer to go in and mess with the plumbing. Mm. That's what you're asking them to do. You mess with the plumbing. That's good. And and he's saying, uh, and in his mind, he's talking to you. He's eye contact with you, listening very politely, nodding his head. Yeah, Mm -hmm. understand. Love the program. Sounds like a great, can't believe that. Wow, testimonials. Wow, video's great. Love the content. But in his mind, he's thinking what? No, no. (laughs) Last time I changed, no. And so what happens is you have to find a way to calm that part of the brain down. That's the amygdala, right? That's the flight or flight response, right? But there's people always talk about fight or flight but they miss the third one freeze, right? That's part of the actual defensive mechanism. You can fight, you can run away from it or you just freeze. Mm. And I think a lot of them just freeze mentally. And they say something like this. "Uh, Yeah. Let me think about that. I'll get back to you guys. How about next week? Or I'll bring it up with my board. And all of a sudden, what they're doing is they're freezing. Yeah. Now, if you know that going in to really put a finer point on this, if you know that going in, how do I, reduce that type of resistance? How do I, if I get into your head and I go, look, I'm asking this guy to change a sales training program. He already has a sales training program. In fact, he probably asked for a million dollars to get that sales training program in place. And here I come with my little flag going, Hey, I think you need to change that. What's he going to go through? So the question is, what's the plan? So when I'm selling sales training, I always figure out what do you have first? Walk me through what you have, what's working, What's not working. Let's have those conversations and we can have that within, you know, five minutes tops. Exactly. And so we just hit that real quick. And the thing is, see, I believe in the frontal assault, but not in the aggressive way. It's like, let's just talk about it. That's that third level. Let's get to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Let's get to the conversation. Let's not waste each other's time. You know, I'm here to sell you. There is no surprise in that. I am walking through the door. I want to sell you something, but I want to sell you something that has value. If you tell me what you have is working, you're completely satisfied, Victor, I don't need anything. Great. Then we end the conversation there. I'll, I ask you to define what great means to you. You'll hopefully have me some answers and I'll tell you if you're BSing me or not, blah, blah, blah. Right. But, th- but if you can build that honest conversation up front and just have that honest conversation, selling from the heart type of thing, right? Or let's just have the conversation. And I think people feel that mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's bringing that authenticity to the table, and said, look, I know you're afraid to change. When you made that decision, one of the ways I let people out of their own decision-making, and I've learned this years ago, is that you made a decision to invest, let's say a million dollars in that sales training program, right? Uh-huh. I'm going to sell you a new sales training program. The question is, let's go through the list of why they don't want to change. Let's go through the list. Why don't they want to change? See, you got a, you're, you're selling a program for, let's say, $100,000. I'm making a number up, right? See, you think it's about $100,000. It has nothing to do with the $100,000, Mm-hmm. So there's a show to so do with the hundred thousand dollars. They're thinking about why shouldn't I do this now? They'll see the benefit, right? We know that we know the studies, right? People will move faster away from pain than they will towards gain. Right. Yep. We know that. And so it's not the money. So if I'm selling you a sales training program, what is that manager going through? What is that manager thinking about? Let's walk through it out loud. You guys go, tell me what is the manager thinking?
0: First, I mean, first thing is change, and that's that's one of the things I got to. I got to change things up. Or
2: now, dig deeper on that. It, what you know, do you what have to change specifically? Well, he, mindset, skill sets. Deeper. Give it to me. Make it tangible. Make it I could feel it. C- contextualize that thing for me. What does change mean to that guy or gal? Yeah. What does it mean? I got people in my office complaining. Yeah.
1: I got, uh, maybe deeper people leaving deeper, deeper,
2: deeper, uh, deeper here. Let's again, this is getting into their heads, right? Yeah, this is all right. So, okay. I, I like the program. Okay. This is yeah. me, right? This is me. All You're right. pitching me and I'm going, all right. So I got a million dollar program. I just spent, you know, a million dollars on. So if I change, I have to justify why I'm doing that. I made that decision. So now I have to admit that I'm wrong. Right. That's one. That's the big one. Yeah. Second, uh, how do I execute this program? So I got to bring everybody in from the field, which means I got to take them out of the field for at least two or three days. Uh, I also know that I'm not going to be able to train them first time around. I'll probably have to do this again. Third, a lot of these are already stuck. I already changed the program two times in the last five years. Now I'm gonna do it the third time. That's not good. You know what I mean? So yeah. forth. I, I can keep going and then they have to change the program. Then you have to, you know uh, you got to get it approved and you will got will do all kinds. And that's what they're thinking. Yes. That's exactly what they're thinking. And if you don't talk about that right there and then you'll have the polite conversation. Mm -hmm. They'll say, Hey man, uh, let me think about it. Get back to you. And then after you leave, it hits him or her. And they say, yeah, but then I have to kind of bring them all in, take them off the field, train them again. Okay. Do I really believe that we'll get another 10% boost of this? I mean, I don't know. You know, we've never tried it. Am I in the mood to try this now? We're in the third quarter right now. Timing's not good. You know, And they go on and on and on. And so the question becomes, and I think one of the best books written in the last, um, I'll say 10 years was the, uh, it's the Effortless Experience by Matt Dixon. I think the guys who wrote the CEB, who wrote the Challenger, the Challenger customer, and then they wrote the Effortless Experience. That book is so underrated. It is beyond belief. I read that book twice and I'm like, this is gold. Uh, The Effortless Experience is talks about how do you make it effortless for somebody to make a change? Hmm. Right. And they came up with this customer effort score, CES, the customer effort score. And your job is to reduce the customer's effort to make a switch. Nice. And if you can do that, then the customer is more likely to buy. But if, if I'm telling you here, buy my program without considering what you have to do to implement the thing, the justifications, the changes, that's what I mean by changes. Yeah. You'll have to change mindset. You'll have to change hearts and minds and all that. But remember, The person sitting on the throne, they're sitting there going, yeah, but you know what? I got to figure out how I'm going to get all these people to fly back in, take them out of the field. Right now we're behind 10% year to year over, you know, we're 10% behind. You know, I take them off the field. I can do this. And then I got to retrain them. But I know, you know, that's what they're thinking when you're selling them this. And those are the conversations you need to have. And that's what I call the frontal assault, but that, I don't think it's, I think frontal assault is a bad word or bad phrasing for it. Cause what I'm doing is I'm having a genuine conversation with you. Let's get to the meat, man. Yeah. Why you wouldn't do it. You know? And so I, I that's how I look at, it. That's sorry, to, sorry to be so long winded on that one. Oh, and, 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 I, and, and I think, you know, Victor, I think that that's
0: the toughest, that's the toughest thing for, for a lot of the salespeople, to understand, because I'll go back to your plumbing thing, right? Mm-hmm. It could be in the back of their mind, right? That salesperson goes, I remember seven years ago mm-hmm. when I had that conversation with that C-level person, whoever that yeah. person is, and I puked all over myself, right? It went horrible. Right. So then they go, right? And now that whole picture is in their mind.
2: They're, they're mentally psyched out. And I think what happens is that, and I, I'm, you know, one of the topics I like, and I really should talk about it more is memory distortion. And memory distortion is, you know, how we distort our memories. There was one study that was really interesting. I can bore you with this. Um, They interviewed people two weeks after 9-11, got their story, right? Uh, They then went back, I think it was about a year, two years later, and 30% of the story had changed. Then they went back like five years later, and I think it was like 43% of the story had changed. Wow. And that's memory distortion. Right. And we all do this. We all do this. We all have these things that we, we did or that were done to us. And I swear to you, it's not exactly as you remember it. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the, the way memory works is that when it first happens to you, you assemble all these abstract concepts to create this memory. But when you recall it again the next year, you're looking at it through that lens, whatever. You can be in a pissy mood, but now you recall it through that lens and that becomes a new memory. Yeah. And the last one is deleted. It's almost like overriding the last one. To the point where you distort it over time. and It isn't real anymore. So how does that apply to you? If you're selling right now and you're listening to this, stop looking into the past. Trust me, <laughs> it's a lie. Okay. It's a lie. You know, it's all these really things are memories. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You screwed up. Yeah. You puked on yourself. Yeah. You said the right thing. Yeah. You threw out the price at the wrong time. Yeah. You negotiated when you shouldn't have. Yeah. You gave him a discount. Welcome to the club. <laughs> you know what i mean welcome to the club get, get over yourself already build the bridge and get over yourself man just go in there and get that thing there you go what a great
1: conversation uh i can't you know it's hard to believe we're at, at the end of our our uh time today i i you gotta get more of victor antonio we're gonna put a link to some of his stuff podcast books i mean this guy's dynamite and uh, we're so glad you joined us this week. Um, Thank you for having me. Champion is Selling from the Heart, and it's uh, um, it's just it's just cool to hang out. So thanks for sharing time with us.
2: All right. You can tell people, if you ain't selling from the heart, you ain't selling smart. How's that? Man? That's I would tell <laughs> oh, people. I got a new tagline, Larry. That's good. I gave you that one. Well, that was a freebie. I gave you that one. man. That's a that gave you that one. If you ain't selling from the heart, you ain't selling smart. There you go. <laughs> By the way, you could use that, Larry, because I know you will, brother. That's We just need to <laughs> this This podcast coming.
1: is over, dude. <laughs> That's right. It's already on the website. There you <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Till next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, frame conversations, love your clients, and most of all, sell from the heart.
0: Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the Salescast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.